Mic check, mic check. All right. More than the Masters podcast. I'm your host, Maine, of course. I got a special podcast for y'all today. Shout out to Miss April Hill. She's a licensed professional counselor out of North Augusta. Um, I hit her up and she was willing to do the podcast with no problem. Very informative. Very, very, very great uh, talks we had on and off the podcast. Um, I'll give you information, of course. Uh, check the description, please. We got hotlines and everything from suicide prevention, depression, counselors you can talk to, all of that. And we cover all in the podcast. This podcast is definitely for anybody that has a friend, family member, somebody close to you know, co-worker, whatever, that is dealing with some kind of mental issue, uh, or maybe just depressed, or maybe you, you see signs of suicide, or they just seem out of it sometimes. This is the podcast for you. Uh, we talk about things about how to approach it, things you can do to help. Things you can do to help to try to find out or figure out what's going on with your friend or anybody you know, significant other, what have you, family member, all of that. This is the podcast for that. If you don't have a friend that's dealing with that, or you think you don't have a friend that's dealing with that, this podcast is also for you. Why? Because in the podcast, we also mentioned that, you know, it's not always your friend that's that's showing signs. Sometimes there's no signs at all. And the only thing you can do is be a friend. So... If you're not if you're not a good friend, then it might not be podcast for you. But you know, if you are a good friend or just a good person and you care about the well-being of others or just helping others get by or you know better in life, this is definitely for you. So I want to say without further ado, make sure y'all contact Miss April Hill if you have any extra questions. You can contact me obviously it's more ttmasters at gmail.com or you can contact Miss Hill at April Hill at North Augusta Counseling.com. That's A P. R-I-L dot H-I-L-L at North Augusta Counseling dot com. Um, without further ado, enjoy the podcast. Any feedback is welcome. Thank you very much. If you can, just tell a little about yourself or how you got started and what you do um, okay. so we can get started from there. Okay. Um, I'm a licensed professional counselor, um, also known as psychotherapist. Um, my background is in forensics, so I worked a lot with maximum security inmates um i've been licensed or in the field about six years i did a full year clinical internship at a maximum security prison in wisconsin and then i worked for two years as a mental health um, therapist at a county jail in ohio so i'm licensed in ohio and south carolina Um, i also worked a year at a community counseling agency in ohio before moving down here and starting my private practice so I've been in private practice just a little over two years for North Augusta Counseling Services. Okay. Well, what's like what's, what's, what's like the difference in like the private counseling as opposed to working in maybe, like I said, a, a, a school or a, a hospital or a, a prison? What's like the main difference you notice for you, besides the fact you just do everything on your own? Right. Um, well, I am a, my own boss, so that's always nice. Um, <laughs> when I was housed, um, my office was in the prison and jail there was actually well at the prison it was a whole psychology department it was very organized I was able to see long-term clients Um, at the county jail even though my office was at the jail I was actually paid by an agency in the community so um, with that I had to do what the agency required not so much what the sheriff's office had required me to do even though I worked a lot like right beside one on you know with the sheriff's office at the county jail was a lot more chaotic um would see people just kind of through the through the weekend or maybe a few weeks or if they're just waiting for their trial to come up 
Um, so not so much therapy as it would be like, how are we going to get you through just today? Yeah. You know what? So I would go to court. I would um, do a court evaluation for the judge before someone could be released from jail. Um, a lot of just kind of interaction with um, the police and the sheriff's office and the and the judge. So trying to earn the trust of an inmate in that environment was a lot difficult. Gotcha. Um, even though I was advocating for them, um, it was more difficult with that. You feel like some of that is because, uh, you know, obviously inmates, they got their own kind of things they're going through because once you right. leave, they have to go back to prison or yeah. to the jail they at, and they're dealing with that anyway. You know, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a whole world on its own. It is. As opposed to their case and whatever they got going on. Um, you feel like it's hard. Was it, is that like a challenge for, for, for you to get the trust of the actual inmate or client so to speak it was because there was definitely quite a lot i mean our prison system and correction system is is now one of the largest mental health institutions because when they stopped having the long-term mental health care Mm -hmm. so many people then started getting arrested and so that's kind of where so many mental health are held now that's a good stat And, and it's um it's kind of unfortunate because depending on how well their program is for like counseling program within that facility, either they're going to get really great care or they're not going to get any care at all. Um, so with, you know, it was kind of when it, I had to like prioritize who to see and some people were very serious and needed the help. Other people just were trying to build their case. So they mm. would either cause an emergency when I couldn't see them or become demanding and very threatening. Um, I was followed home twice. Um, wow. So that that was very, I mean, I wouldn't go to my house. I just kept driving. And one time my son was actually driving, and we just circled on back to the police department. <laughs> and I, I know that's like, off topic, that's what I like about the podcast because I get to talk about certain things you're saying. You said you was followed home twice, right? Yeah. And you see that in movies sometimes. And I mentioned earlier, which I'll talk about later, like Soprano, you get the mob and that stuff they would <laughs> yes. do with witnesses and stuff like that. Like you only, you, you're not thinking it's something that really can happen. And even mm-hmm. if you go in that field, people say, I want to be a therapist. I want to do this. And they ain't thinking about the flip side of things. Like mm-hmm. that stuff they don't really show you all the time mm-hmm. in, the, in the movies and stuff like to that. To protect my own family. Yeah. But that means you have to also like, so imagine like leaving work, mm-hmm. but like work following you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a different work following you this time, you know what I'm exactly. saying? Because it's for danger, but. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like, and how, you have to actually have the wherewithal to know that somebody's following you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So you can't. Just so be- I'm very hyper vigilant. Wherever I go, I'm the first thing I ever notice is like, how do I get out of this room if I need to? You know, how do I? Um, you know, you hear a lot about police will will um, if they're in a restaurant, sit with their back to the wall so they can always see out. Or soldiers with me. So I've had some of that too in my own life. I've noticed in myself that wow. wherever I go. I'm my head's on a swivel. I'm alert now. What uh, the f- sad part of that though is that my startle reflex isn't as strong. I mean, like a loud noise can go off and I might not even jump. <laughs> 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 so, but I'll see it about to happen a lot of times. Oh, and one of the things that I feel like in our first ten minutes of talking that was real interesting was that you where you was from. Okay. I didn't expect that, you know, especially even seeing the picture online and just talking to you via yeah. email. I didn't know. I didn't think I was going to be something I heard today. And one of the things, but before I came in the office, somebody asked me, some, sent me some questions. And one of them things was like, it was something to do with African-Americans. 
And I was like, I don't know, I can really ask this question, you know, because I'm not sure, like, in your practice, if you're going to be like, you know, I don't know, or is that third? Mm-hmm. And then you tell me where you're from. So tell people where you're from and kind of like your upbringing. Okay. Um, I was raised in Malawi, Africa. Um, my parents were missionaries. Um, so my mom was a medical missionary and a nurse at a mobile clinic, and my father worked with food aid projects. Um and so we lived there for 11 years from the time mm. when I was six until 17. And um, then I, my very best friend, she's from this area that also grew up with me in Africa. And so every time I would visit her, I just always had a piece about North Augusta. It always felt good. And she's like family to me. She's like my sister. So <laughs> it was nice. that I knew whenever I wanted to start my private practice that I wanted to kind of be in the North Augusta area. But even with private practice, like that's something you knew you knew at some point you wanted to do. Yeah, from the time when I was going to school, I was like, I've always just I've growing up, and it's interesting that I ended up working in a prison and a jail because I was always against the flow of the norm. Mm-hmm. So, and I would do that on purpose. You know, it's like my father was a a preacher and a minister, so I'm going to go the opposite way (laughs) (laughs) with getting a lot of trouble, (laughs) that kind of stuff. But, um, so in some ways I could relate to my clients a lot of ways I couldn't, but, um, you know, the whole, um, I don't even know where I was going with that, but <laughs> no, that, that's, that's actually I, I I heard that before too. Sometimes, like when your parents are one way, you automatically expected to be that way because you're a preacher's yeah. daughter or you mm-hmm. know something like that. And a lot of times, that just creates a you a want to rebel and be yes. different, you know, yes. to kind of set mm-hmm. yourself apart. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, I, so I think that happens a lot. For the longest time, I would get in trouble for being rebellious. Um, like I went to boarding school in eighth grade and they respectfully asked me not to return. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, it helped me whenever I was working at the county jail because like if a judge would order something in order to advocate, I had to kind of go against and stand up for what I thought was right or what was the, what the inmate needed. And with officers to listen to me, I needed to be confident in my decision-making, even if it was against what everybody else was like, you know, people on the floor were telling me to do. I'd be like, no, this client needs this, that, and the other and, and stand up for it and be confident in that. And that, I think the rebellion actually helped me to be that that person. And like this, this for the purpose of, uh, because I know we're gonna speak about depression and stuff like that. But when you have um, you know, clients, uh, is it is that is this something easy to like spot? Like, like when you see somebody, I know a lot of times they tell us. And I took the class of uh, adult psychology. She was like, first day, they are gonna learn a lot. Do not self-diagnose people. Do not go around <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, saying they're depressed and it is. Um, but it's a lot of it's a lot of clinical terms that. Uh, we use well not a lot, but I know one for, for 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 sure. We use and I feel like people think it's one way, it's another way. Like when I learned, first thing I learned was antisocial, mm. and I think the clinical thing for it's not what we say in right. the streets. It's it, not. They, I think in the streets it's like, or in in the public it's like um like avoiding. You're not you're not talking to them, you know you just yeah. you're always saying to yourself, but that's not what it means. And I I, I it, that's the only thing I really could take from that class because. I always start correcting everybody. Like that's not what it means. Don't yeah. say that to me. That's not. That's not what it means. You know, you just put two words together and you think what they mean. Right. It's not as simple as private practice. Like it's easy. Okay, I'm practicing privately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not as simple as that. Antisocial mm-hmm. has a clinical uh, definition for it, and mm-hmm. it's not that you're not talking. 
That's not even one of the symptoms. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah. I was thinking that, and that wasn't even that. Wasn't no. even that. So More like that conduct like disorder that you don't care who you're walking over and who, you know, yeah, a lot yeah. of people that break the law. Yeah. So I say that to, I say that to kind of go into, like, it's, it's important to have some kind of, like, uh, education on these disorders yeah. and things of that nature. Because a lot of times we do stuff that I know somebody. Somebody be sad, Absolutely. and, you know, it might be a symptom. And you might be like, they're depressed, but they might, that might just be their personality sometimes. You know what I'm saying? They might not be depressed. And then you see somebody that's really happy all the time, and they could be very depressed, and exactly. you don't know, you know? Right. Um, so I guess kind of jumping into that. Um, for, for depression, like, I know you, you have your own uh, list of the symptoms, but what's some symptoms, like, if you was talking to somebody or just kind of trying to fill it out that mm-hmm. you would look for mm-hmm. to, to be able to tell somebody, how, like, just kind of mm-hmm. give a kind of warning to yourself that this might be something they're going through um well things that i would i would ask the normal things like do you have uncontrollable crying the sadness that kind of stuff a lot of people don't realize the fatigue can also be a symptom of depression um just all of a sudden they're just lack of motivation don't want to do the things that they used to do their their interests don't no longer make them happy um so if I start to see, you know, some isolation of people, um, they're like, oh, I just want to be home all day. I just want to turn on the TV and not talk to nobody. Those are some things I look for. Also, a lot of people don't realize this irritation and anger can also be a symptom of depression. So it's not just crying and sadness. It can be just irritability and just everybody's getting on your nerves and, um, you know, everybody around you, you feel like everybody around you is an idiot, you know, that <laughs> just, but... On you the chronic level, yeah, yeah. Um, it, you know, and, and it, the reason why I say it's like depression is is really, I, I mean, I would think it's hard because like even looking at the symptoms, it's like each symptom, it had, like it's the opposite also. So like mm-hmm. I seen one that was like um, hunger, like your body be hunger. So it's mm-hmm. like you can have excessive eating, mm-hmm. but then the symptom can also be you're not eating enough. Exactly. So it's like it, it's like it's, you really have to be not saying if you're in the middle that means you're not depressed, but it's kind of hard mm-hmm. to really. To, it's almost it's really a, a vague uh mm-hmm. you have to really make a, a really good yeah depression uh, interpretation of things they're doing and saying so you have to act you can't just look at it as I'm not eating so I'm depressed mm-hmm. but you mentioned something just now you said um lack of motivation right and not doing mm-hmm. things that you like to do so mm-hmm. I, I notice sometimes too like when I um if I'm if I'm in a mood or I just feeling away for a time period I won't even do podcast I like doing them like mm-hmm. I, like I did one yesterday I'm doing a day I'm doing one tomorrow like I'm doing I can do it like that right Kick them out, but then yeah. I'm not in a mood I won't even mm-hmm. I set my stuff up and I just stop I'm like, I don't feel like doing it now yeah. you know what I'm saying yeah. and it could be whatever you're going through I don't know like I think um and I and I guess I asked you this now I think like I don't know if it's my gender like in men I always feel like we don't really express ourselves like like mm-hmm. women might be can or whatever mm-hmm. and I my my, oh, my my thing always been like when you're younger right and you cry they take mm-hmm. they, your dad would say oh, don't be a girl it's having like a girl mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you're conditioned to like not cry exactly. but crying is like an emotion so you, now you're conditioned to not really show your emotions in a sense mm-hmm. like all your life you know like don't cry or everything's so gender mm-hmm. gender based like and you tend to suppress them so much that you tend to numb out yeah like for me personally i will dissociate i will disconnect i will just kind of be in a um a fl- like a brain fog floaty you know and then i'll <laughs> i'll be like how did i like driving how did i get here or you know that just 
I have to, you know, really focus on what I'm doing. And whenever I, if I'm depressed or going through something, now there's different levels. Like some people get depressed with different circumstantial things. Other people, it's more chemical imbalance in okay. the brain where the serotonin drops. And um, and that medication can be very helpful with that. Um, but like exercising can also help, you know, boost the serotonin in your brain, make you feel good for a little bit. Not as long as medication, but it is better. The food you eat. That kind of deal. making sure you do get rest, like when you don't feel like it, having those breaks then yeah. of uh, away from the podcasts, or you know, allowing yourself that okay, you know, listening to what your body's saying, I need a break right now, um, and allow yourself to have that. But if you find that you're doing it for a few days at a time, or that you're really just taking a break and really don't want to be around each other for a few days at a time, then I would you know start looking at what can I change to boost my mood. You mentioned uh, serotonin, and I, I, I heard the word, because like I said, I took a class before, so that, that's a word that you're going to hear with depression. Like It's kind of like go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, for a listener, like, can you break that down? Like, like what's that, what, is that, what does that function do for, like, for your body? Okay. Just for people, cause I know some people that listen, and they, they don't know what that is. They probably never heard okay. that word before. Okay, it's a, it's a chemical in your brain that your body kicks out naturally um, to kind of keep your mood elevated you know, or, um, you know, uh, stabilized gotcha, anyway. Gotcha. But then there's some people where um, either the chemical just naturally doesn't produce enough or because there's so much, let's say, trauma that have happened. Um, so much in our lives can be related to trauma that happened like under 10 years old or under 5 years old um, that we're like, oh, that happened so long ago, it doesn't affect me now. But it does because it affected how your brain developed. Mm. And so it can really affect how um, just even situational, if you have a lot of situations back then or even just one big one, one big one to a child might not seem like a big deal to an adult, but it affected how their brain developed. And so the serotonin might not develop as well. So exercise, and I'm talking to myself here because I don't exercise a lot, (laughs) but exercising can really boost that Um so like I said, the food you eat, getting rest, getting sunshine, you know, taking care of you, which American society so many times, it's like two ends of the spectrum. Either we don't take care of ourselves and we're like all like people pleaser, everybody else comes first, or in a selfish way, it's like all about us and we neglect people. But there should be a good balance of, you know, taking care of ourselves and taking care of, you know, those around us that we care about. Oh, yeah. And, and you mentioned... Like one of the, one of the things that you just mentioned was it can have an event or something happen to you and you mm-hmm. kind of push it to the side. You not you know sometimes you just don't think about that. And you let it, but it does develop how your brain thinks. I had a one thing I do in this is I, I tell stories sometimes when I was younger. I might tell a story, and I was telling people about this time. Um, I was like eleven and I was I was I was living in New York then and we was riding a bike whatever. And some older kid like maybe sixteen seventeen, it, it was bigger than us. They came and took our bike, my bike, mm. you know what I'm saying? And it was like an event, but it made me, out of front me, I felt like I was older and that probably didn't, he ran. He just left me, left us alone, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I felt like, dang, you should have helped us, whatever. But it, that helped, like, me choose friends wildly also, you know? Yeah. So even though that event might have seemed like a big deal at the time, mm-hmm. I know, like, I, like growing up now, I know that's a big story because mm-hmm. after that, I changed, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, But I could have been still naive, or not even naive, but just innocent you know yeah, what I'm saying in a sense yeah. but once sometimes stuff happened to you saw it either to I don't know that like you maybe you may go in that world or you might lash out you know what I'm saying depending on what happened to you and stuff like that so 
and I think about, you know, I told you like, I may, maybe it might be hereditary, who knows, my dad, he had some stuff going on, and I don't know what could have been his life, because he lived a rough life than me, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. he was on his own real early, mm-hmm. and there's so many things you probably can attribute it to that you don't know, you know what I'm saying, exactly, and yeah, you mentioned like, you can you can be fatigued, right? Mm-hmm. And I was talking to somebody last night, and I, I I noticed for a fact, like a lot of times you try to keep yourself busy, so mm-hmm. you don't have to think about things, and exactly. you just yeah. you, you don't think, so you try to stay busy, 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 mm-hmm. and then when you're not busy, you notice that you think too much, mm-hmm. so you try to keep busy, and you ignore that fatigue. Mm-hmm. But like you said, if you're not taking care of your body, it'll wear down on you at some point because you're gonna get tired at some point. Right. When you do get tired, it's gonna make it even worse because now you gotta think and you're tired, so you can't even just jump <laughs> up and you know go back to your normal self and just mm-hmm. jump in and jump in and out of things. So I think I, see, I can see that that as being. Um, that's why I feel like also too like I don't know if they should put it like early in school or something like that because you can't tell a kid you can't tell a kid some some things that we might talk about because you're not gonna. Not gonna think about it, you know. They mm-hmm. might say, "Make sure you talk to your parents about things going on in life." And you're like, mm-hmm. "I cut school yesterday. I'm not gonna tell my parents I cut school." You know <laughs> right. what I'm saying? But something could have happened that you might need to tell tell them, you know. And mm-hmm. now you got that going through your whole life for a couple of years, and down the line, down the line is just gonna make it a bigger problem, make it make, make right. it a bigger issue. It catches up with you. Um, your, your body will start to respond, whether or not you're trying to mentally keep it suppressed exactly your body will start either just wearing down or you might notice that you just start all of a sudden just uncontrollably crying or either all of a sudden you're just like explosive anger you know it's just it, it comes out in one way or another i have people i, I you know i know that i feel like all the, i feel like everybody's going to be depressed at some point i think it's looked at as like something's wrong with you if you're depressed or like you're not normal mm. i think that might be normal i think it might be normal if you're not depressed like yeah you might be abnormal if you're not I think everybody you know. if they're honest feels depressed at one point or in their life at least yeah i i, I can agree with that and i feel like when i did the podcast like i, I never talked that much anyway i never like talked a lot but when I started to like come my shell, people would tell me like more about themselves than I asked. But it'd be from conversation. So I was mm-hmm. like, Yeah, I can I can do that because strangers just open up to you at the grocery store or something they like do. that. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, What's like going I'm on? a magnet. <laughs> yeah. And I, I said, Well, maybe I should do that because I can as soon as I, I be getting good stories out of people, people's like, Yo, I never heard that about that person. They might know him for ten years. I know him for mm-hmm. ten minutes and I know more about them now. So I was right. like, right, well, I'll, I'll try it. But it's also therapeutic because there's times I can just, I do it by myself sometimes. I'm just in my room, I just talk. Mm-hmm. And um, you get to let, release a lot of problems out. Or you could kind of fix your own, not fix, but, you know, talk about issues you have going on. And just, mm-hmm. and you get feedback from people. You know what I'm saying? Now mm-hmm. it's like, it's like a um, dialogue there at some point. Um, or what have you. So what's, the, what's some things, like, besides medicine, obviously. I don't know. Medicine, to me, I, I think it's good. I just seen what it did. Like, my dad's thing, it blew mm-hmm. him up. Mm-hmm. He just seemed like he just wasn't there sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then I think he smoked marijuana, so I don't think mm-hmm. that helped, obviously, with mm-hmm. the drugs he had. But mm-hmm. you can't tell somebody that smoked marijuana that they think that that's, <laughs> that's going to be the cure for everything. Um, if it's the pure sense of it. I mean, on the street, a lot of times it's mixed with something else. But if it's, it's very the pure strong. sense, have very strong. and you're not taking other medications, it's been proven to help people that with high anxiety or with PTSD. You know, certain what things. What about stopping medicine? Like, I, I noticed my mom said sometimes, mm-hmm. like, he was taking it. When he felt he was okay, he just, just stopped stop. taking it. And that can be said, dangerous. Because he it make you tired or, you know. Yeah, that can be dangerous because all of a sudden then your body drops. And d- depending on the medication, um, it can cause a seizure. It can cause, you know, it's kind of like people who are alcoholics and all of a sudden they stop. You know, they can, like, have a seizure because their body is used to a um, certain amount um, how at, at a certain frequency. So... 
But yeah, so medications, I mean, that's something to talk with your doctor about. I'm not a provider, but, um, you know, I don't write prescriptions. So, um, some people, it's like the best thing ever, especially if it's an organic system, symptom in your brain, like with the chemicals, like your body's not producing enough or maybe producing too much. Medic- medicine can really do a good job to keep it balanced. Um, balanced. Um, now, if it's more situational, um, then, yeah, just changing behavior can or changing just things about throughout your day can really help. And another thing, too, is sometimes... You know, we might learn certain responses. I mean, yeah, there, to, there is a component of genetics to a point, but there's also something about being in the same household under the same roof. You're learning certain responses yeah. from people, and you might grow up and be, you know, responding that way, and you might not have the same disorder that, say, your parent or caretaker had, but you have the same responses because that's what you learned. Yeah, that's so true. it's kind of. Yeah, because you might think you're suffering from something because uh, your your parents something did, but you might not be. It might be how you came up. Like you might just caught on. Like you know, you just catch on some some people things they do. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can see that. I I I will say it was funny you mentioned like the the medicine and stuff. I seen the movie. I don't know. I can't think of the name of it now. But it was a kid. He passed away though. But he's a he's a, he's an actor and in the movie, he would just go Google symptoms for certain things, right? <laughs> and then he went to his. Uh, therapist because he was rich I guess and his therapist was like prescribing all these drugs oh. and he was taking them to school and selling them I don't know what, I forgot the okay. name of it it was, like a, it was a funny movie though but um, I think sometimes that's 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 like the gift and the curse too of knowing symptoms they say sometimes mm-hmm. you, if you google something you go on WebMD and they're mm-hmm. they gonna make you think you're about to die or something like that exactly because it's dangerous you, you're like well and then you, I think sometimes you see symptoms right and you you might not been feeling tired. Like, I have I did take a nap yesterday. I ain't yeah. taking a nap in about three months, so I must be feeling tired. You know, it's like you just start <laughs> self diagnosing yourself. Yeah. Um, so how important do you think for people to actually go just see somebody, even if there's nothing wrong with you, just to see somebody anyway, just have to kind of get it out or just have That's somebody to talk to that has that education and that background. Oh, it's very beneficial, and it's different than just talking to your friends. Um, your friends um, cannot always they can't be objective all the time. You know, whereas like a therapist, it's my job to remain objective and to kind of um, prepare you for what you might experience if you haven't experienced it yet or, you know, give you different, teach you different coping skills and stuff. Um, So there's like, you know, cognitive behavior therapy, which is a lot of talk therapy, because if you can change the way you think, then you can change the way you behave and act and feel. Um, But then there's also a thing called EMDR, which I do. Um, that is eye movement desensitization reprocessing. It's a long name just to say... It's eye movement desensitization... Reprocessing. Reprocessing. EMDR. Mm-hmm. That sounds better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot shorter. Um, but that is not so much talk therapy. The first few sessions are because I prepare. I want to make sure there's a safety net of coping skills and stuff because when your brain starts... Um, when you talk about certain traumas or events in your life, um, it can just, you, all these emotions that you've suppressed for years will come flooding up. So you have to have a way to cope with that. But what it is, is like your eyes are watching fingers in front of your face, moving back and forth, and it sets your own brain up to heal yourself. So um, it's not hypnosis. It doesn't erase the memories, um, but it, it has been proven to shorten talk therapy in half even though it can take a few months to do. 
people feel a lot better a lot faster than just your basic cognitive behavior therapy. So, um, you know, when you think about different um, experiences people have or, um, you know, they, they think they're doing okay, and then you're just like, well, what about this, what about that? And you're like, oh, yeah, I do respond that way. Like, they don't even realize, like, it's kind of like a fish in water. You don't even realize... He doesn't realize it's in water, yeah. even though water surrounded him. You know, it's like sometimes just talking things through gets your mind, you know, your the wheels going in your mind so that it's like, oh, yeah, that really did happen. Oh, yeah. You know, and that I, can help. I, I, I can, I think I, I think I can relate to that a little, like, if I'm talking to somebody on a phone or something like that and you might talk about something and then like a vent or it might, a word they say or it might be a, a signal or something I might get and I'll... I'll talk about a day that we might have had or something like that, right? And then you find yourself just talking and talking and mm-hmm. talking and talking. And like, at first you wasn't really talking that much, you know? And mm-hmm. then it's like, you let loose. You just mm-hmm. go on because your, your brain puts you in that time frame. Yeah. Um, even when I did talk about on a podcast about the time the advice that I taken, like, I remember more stuff because I was thinking about it. When you're not thinking about it, you're not remembering all the other stuff, like, mm-hmm. the other components that you just remember because mm-hmm. you're putting your mind in that time frame now. Exactly. Sounds like you're there. And you just seeing extra stuff around you, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. um, and I, I when I talk about story, I try to, I try to think about it that whole week when I'm driving. I think about it. I talk mm-hmm. while I'm driving, mm-hmm. and I try to perfect it before I get home and turn the mic and stuff on, you know. Mm-hmm. And then by then, I didn't remember so much stuff that now it's in my mind, you know what I'm saying? So I know how mm-hmm. I want to say this, how I want to do that. And I think that's probably the, that's real. So the EMDR, like if that's some, if that's something they can like somebody can come and say, I want that. Mm-hmm. And instead of just coming straight to talk or like what, how, what's the process of saying um, okay. I want to go to get that um, when I see people the first appointment that I do is a, about an hour and a half assessment so um, listening to your story hearing the symptoms that are going on currently in your life and um, we're setting goals together of what you want out of therapy so then any session after that lasts about an hour, and that's where the main therapy takes place. So in that first session of the assessment, we would decide, you know, um, you know, if you just want to talk things through, if you just want to start kind of changing certain things of your behavior, or if you want to really dive in and kind of deal with, like if you've had like lifelong issues going on, or it's like I can't keep a relationship healthy, you know, like relationship after relationship is just bad pa- yeah. patterns. Um, you know, or even with depression, there's lies we believe about ourselves. you know, that each new stressor just compounds what we already feel about ourselves. The EMDR is, can be very good to help change that. That's around. what it seemed like. It seemed like that'd be the thing. I don't know. It seemed like that'd be a thing that anybody should, should pick, I guess, or will want to, will want to go. Yeah. I feel like it's more, um, more detailed. Mm-hmm. You know, but some people aren't ready for it yet. Yeah. And they don't want to dive in because they're scared. But that probably takes time, too. It does, yeah. And, and they probably don't have the time. They probably want to know, I want to come in here now. Mm-hmm. I want to know what's wrong with me now. You know? And then, <laughs> obviously, you got you know, costs and stuff like that. So yeah. they're probably like, oh, right. I ain't got time to be doing three months now. I got a month yeah. worth of money to, you right. know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I could see that. Like, that'd be a thing. Yeah, um, and it's not a quick fix of anything that you do. If you go to a therapist, it's definitely going to be a process. And people you know, will get out of therapy what they put into it, like as far as homework if there's things to practice at home practice them you know do okay. those things i wasn't asking how common it was but we just spoke about that we pretty much said like everybody should have like it's, it's more mm-hmm. uncommon not to have the depression mm-hmm. than to have it um mm-hmm. but like what like, if you in your 
the, your line of work or just your studies what, what would you say like depression like typically starts like for for the average person or maybe average male average female um is it like it just young depends. or it really depends i mean there's a lot of our teenagers or middle school kids um that's historically been a, a difficult time of life anyway um but it can be even younger than that if that child has experienced a lot of turmoil in their life or trauma in their life um or some people have like the perfect home and the perfect life and then something major happens as an adult that just really knocks them to their knees and they can't get past yeah. it that probably sucked too because like you know people like Maybe my community or people I grew up around. Let's say like when I was, uh, I think seven. So my dad left when I was seven, right? But I remember everything that that day or happened or that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's an event you don't think about. You know what I'm saying? But when you you mentioned something earlier, you said um some some events change the way you think. So mm-hmm. your brain gonna react different. So I remember always saying, "Tell me you met in the house, you met in the house, you met in the house." So how you move is different now. I'm not I'm not just the mm-hmm. the first the, the the oldest child and just. I'm the guy of the house. I'm the person that got to mm-hmm. do this. So mm-hmm. whether it's chores or pe- people safe or, you know, feeling you got to mm-hmm. stand to certain people. Mm-hmm. So all that's going gonna, gonna to make you feel a certain way. You're going to feel like you got to protect everybody or, you know, you got to be there for everybody, whatever the case may be. Um, so I could see how for somebody that went through the same similar, say it's a bunch of seven-year-olds that had to happen. So now you start maybe from seven because that's an event that, could have changed the way your brain, you know, mm-hmm. worked from then from then on. Mm-hmm. So that can be a sign of when it's. I mean, you might be depressed from seven to fourteen, though. But right. that event is going to have some kind of impact on mm-hmm. how you think. So, and yeah. I think depression is it's, it's it's more cognitive, I guess, mm-hmm. than, than 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 a lot of things. So, and cognitive is just the brain. I don't, I'm just making sure mm-hmm. people know because I don't know. Yeah. I don't want anybody to think I'm just using these big words. They're like, you don't yeah. use big words, but. <laughs> I I I studied this. I got the book at home. I read I read it sometimes just for my own pleasure. You know what I'm saying? Right. So um, I had a friend that actually wanted to read the book, but I didn't give it to him. Cause I'm like, <laughs> nah, I don't know, cause I feel like I don't want her to I don't want her to like di- diagnose herself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and um, but even then, that's somebody that you know I feel like has some issues they need to talk to somebody about. You know? Yeah. Um, how do you how do you approach somebody and say like you know you might need help or you know like you mm-hmm. should go talk to somebody without sounding like you telling them they're crazy or something's yeah. wrong with you yeah you know? yeah i just asked like what's going on you know how are you coping you know um and if i've noticed that they're like drawn away from people i'd be like you know why don't you come to this place with me or you know just being a friend being have being a listening ear um you know what really a lot of people you talk to that have a lot of depression, they say what really got them through that was their support system mm. of their friends, their family, their faith. Um, or just, and if, if you don't have a good support system, like some people, they're like, I don't, I don't have anybody. You know, they really, and sometimes they really don't have anybody. Um, people are so busy that they don't take the time to just be there for each other. And it's yeah. not always the person that's isolating away. Sometimes it's the person that's super, super busy. You're like, yeah. hey, why don't we go calm down or relax a little over it, you know, over here. And it doesn't have to be spending money. It can be like, let's go to the park or let's go sit by the water or, you know, um, just being there for them and a listening ear for them makes all the difference. And I, I think, too, I've seen a meme. I don't know if it's called meme or meme. I'm not sure. But i seen a meme the other day. And it was like... Uh, Make sure you check on your, in quotation, it says strong friends. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you got the friends that 
you look at and you think they have nothing wrong with them, nothing going on with them, right? Mm-hmm. So nobody check on them. But like you said, you could be putting up a front. You could mm-hmm. be always trying to be busy and doing stuff so that you don't have to think about the stuff you got going on in your life. Mm-hmm. So you put it behind you. But you could be going through so much. Mm-hmm. But since you looked at it as a strong person or you looked at it as the person that's taking care of everything, people automatically assume that nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. So nobody's checking on you. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, yeah. um, and you might just feel like when you finally going through it, nobody asked if I was okay. You know, I know, you know, I never been okay, but nobody asking you because mm-hmm. the front you might be putting on. Yeah, they also. think you're fine. But also as a friend, you gotta check on them sometimes because that can be the person that got the most issues going on. You don't know, you know. Right, right. Um, but as far as, like one of the, uh, and I guess to touch on suicide a little bit, like. Mm-hmm. I think people think it's, I, heard, I hear it's uncommon, right? But then I was looking at some stuff, and it, it said that it was the leading, second leading cause of death between people that was 10 and 24. Mm-hmm. That's what it said. It could have been old, it could have mm-hmm. been new, I don't know. I think the first was like accidental, accidental deaths. And it also jumps up then um, at like the age of retirement and older. Mm. Because when people, people, especially people with PTSD, they might have their career and they've learned certain coping skills to help them through their career. Then all of a sudden they're retired all these old years of memories and stuff come flooding back to them. And so then the suicide rate also increases for that age group as well. Um, So, yeah, it's important to know, too, though, that it's very normal for everybody, if you're going through some type of depression, to have thoughts that run through your head that, I'm a burden. Um, I just wish I could go to sleep and not wake up. Those are very, very normal thoughts. What I want look for and to differentiate between is, do you have a determination to end it? And do you have a plan and access to the plan to do it? Okay. Um, you know, and when people are in my office and they talk about that, either I will try to talk it through with them to see who are their connections with their support system. Um, and I encourage them to go to the emergency room as soon as Mm. possible. So in our area, quite honestly, I used to send people to Augusta University. They had an awesome um, um, in-house, like, psych ward that that you could stay for a few days to a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. there. But I heard that they're closing. So Aurora Behavior Health is probably the only one in a certain radius. Um, And I I don't know if Serenity Health is going to be opening more of an emergency room care. They're more outpatient right now. Um, but Aurora is probably the only ones in, in Aiken. So can, a place that people can go, you can, they can stay yeah. for a few days if they got something mm-hmm. wrong with them, mm-hmm. or they, they can, something wrong with them. They can be assessed and they can be safe and they can you know get back on their feet. I think that's it too. I think we automatically assume, maybe because we look at art and art imitates life sometimes, and mm-hmm. but it's only like a small portion of life because it's a two-hour movie and life mm-hmm. is like, get the day is 24 hours in a day and you look at the little small parts or you think depression and you think if you go get diagnosed you're going to be in a straight jacket or you're going to be in that little padded room no. and then a lot of times people make plays on that you know they, they will use that as just, yeah. you know to but it's not mm-hmm. it's, it's, those are like really mm-hmm. uh, severe circumstances like exactly. you know um, just being depressed is not going to have you know do that unless you're just mm-hmm. being violent and stuff I mm-hmm. guess but mm-hmm. I think that we look at it though People are look look at it like that sometimes, and they automatically say, "I'm a, I'm good. I don't want to do that." Mm-hmm. Or, with, or I guess depending on what experience they have at the doctor or with through hospitals or with doctors or mm-hmm. you know therapy of that nature. Um, like what is is it any, is it is it is there any way to really know if somebody like might be suicidal? Like, is there a way to 
like, I guess it's sent them. Are they like signals or like warning signs? Sometimes there are. Sometimes they're not at all. Um, you know, they say some of the biggest things are like people start giving their things away. Um, or like people will start kind of saying goodbye to people. Like start making, like spend time with each of their friends one-on-one where they don't usually do that. Maybe they're usually just in a group. I think I think I anytime I think of suit like not not me having suicidal thoughts though, but I think if I, like you think about it, just not me doing it for any reason, but mm-hmm. think about it, I always would assume if I did that, I would I would I would do that. Like, they talk with people first. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I guess it's like you want them to have that um that like this last moment with you. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. think of me this way. Don't mm-hmm. don't don't think of me that way. But sometimes there's no symptoms at all. They'll look like they have it all together, and then you find out oh so and so died. You know, yeah. and it's just like, wow, surprises you. Um, it's always okay to ask your friends, do you feel like hurting yourself? You know, do you, have you thought about suicide? Saying those things does not put the idea in their head. It's there already. I, don't, I wrote that down too. You must have looked at my notes. I don't know. No, because, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> nah, because it said that like, if you, it, it, I, asked, I got that on there. Does that increase the chance like asking are you okay? Or do you, mm-hmm. do you want to hurt yourself? Does that increase the chances of dangers for suicide? No. It might actually decrease it, maybe, because now, mm-hmm. it, if it was, like, how does he know? Right. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So now they got to try to hide it more. Or, yeah. Or feel relieved. Yeah. You know, yeah. even that there's, Mind okay, the now someone recognizes that I'm really hurting. Now, I, we mentioned earlier, I want to kind of, come back to this, too, like, like people being dramatic, or I feel like they're dramatic. So, I never told nobody about that them being dramatic, but if if I know somebody, it means might have a mutual friend. We 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 know that they're like they they they, they didn't say this, they didn't mention how they suicide, and they always talking about it, always talking about it. Um, yeah, I, I don't always want to hear that, and I'm not, but I don't want to like ignore them also, because then if they happen, you feel guilty. Mm-hmm. But at, also, I'll be feeling like, well, do they just want attention? But even still, mm-hmm. it's some help needed. So even and I would not suicidal, say that um, pay attention to it all because. Um, you know, people kill thousands of people kill themselves um, for just trying to prove a point, mm. and they didn't really mean to be successful in that. Um, successful not being a positive thing, just successful that it went that it happened. Um, yeah, so I would take every um, every incidence of their drama seriously. What well, um, is there any like other way to like? Like let's say somebody you fight it they're that way right, but they also complain about like every single thing like complain like is there a way to kind of like make them feel comfortable with still being there to complain to you, but you also tell them like hey tone it down or complain about this that and third like is it is it, it's kind of joking way or is it like any way you can make like lighten a mood or something like that? That's it's their perspective. They're seeing everything in a lens of very negativity. Um, you can encourage them with different like positive things or. Um, opportunities for like happy get-togethers or something but that's another thing that you can't control the person they've got to want to get help or they've got to you know want to improve um you you can't control them you can just be there for them and encourage them so if you worry like if you if you are worried about somebody um like what's what like Besides just asking them, are you okay? Are there other ways to ask them? Mm-hmm. Like, maybe or other situations you can do. Like, maybe take them out somewhere and just, or just be there, maybe. Maybe not that. asking if, them, but you just stay close have, by. If they have voiced, um, like, an actual plan and determination, or you get the sense that they're going to 
really hurt themselves and you have them in your car, drive them to the emergency room, <laughs> you know, get, get them safe if you can. Um, there are some numbers here that I have, um, that can be very helpful. And it's not just for the person that's suicidal. It can be for the friends as well. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. There's a crisis text line. Let me say something, though, about that National Suicide Hotline number. Um, it reroutes to local um, departments. I don't know what the departments are, but... So sometimes people will call this national number and get a, a busy signal, which that's not the time when you need to get a busy signal. That is so, definitely So um, it's still going to be therapists that eventually talk to you, but um, there's also a crisis line that you can text, um, and it goes to the national line as well. But um, And a therapist does respond. I've heard that the text line is more conversational, um, and that's to text um, the word. Now, depending on where you live in the nation, um, it's different. You text different words, and that's just a marketing thing so that they know what part of the area heard their yeah. number. So you can either text the word go, or you could text the word home, you could text the word start, and I'm sure there's others, um, to 741-741. And then a therapist will respond back to you as well. There's also the um, um, LGBTQ um, youth, the Trevor Lifeline Suicide Prevention for um, LGBTQ youth, and that is 1-866-488-7386. And also in our area, if you have friends or family that are um, homosexual, there's a huge resource um, available through the Metropolitan Community Church of Our Redeemer Mm -hmm. in Augusta on Green Street. Um, They have a lot of support for that these numbers that you're um, calling out is, is when you can email us to me I want to put that Absolutely. in the description and stuff yes. and okay yeah I can do that um, so for that um, for that church it is a church but they they have a huge LGBTQ um, ministry um, it's 706-722-6454 and you will be supported with them it's not like calling ch- some churches and you're going to be yeah. preached at or um, told to change your life they're just there to support you and to be with you because that is a huge population that deals with a lot of depression and um, a lot of heartache. So, yeah. Um, how, I, I, I'm looking at the questions that somebody just sent me because I know they okay. sent me more. But um, how, like, I, I, in my class, right, that I took, I had to take it twice. So I took it twice just because I liked it that much, right? <laughs> but my class I took, it was this thing called, um, they called it free talk. I said that was the term for it, and I guess what it meant was just like when you're driving, you have to be driving, you're walking, you by yourself, so I'm just talking, mm-hmm. talking mm-hmm. out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, how how important or how helpful you think that can be? Can that be yeah. for somebody that's going through something, whether it's suicide or whether it's depression, whether it's something else, just going through something to talk out loud and kind of just mm-hmm. just just get it out. It can be very beneficial because our brains are pretty cool that. When our own brain hears our own voice out loud, it will start to believe it. Mm. So even though we might tell ourselves these lies that I'm stupid, um, I'm a nobody, I'm not good enough, you know, that kind of stuff, or I don't matter. Um, if we can say out loud some positive things throughout our day, our brain will start to believe it. It's not instant, but it takes some time. But when it hears our own voice, 
it does boost our mood and it will start to change how we start to think toward ourselves. So some positive self-talk with that. Um, also, just like, let's say if, let's say it's not a friend thing, but it could be a boyfriend, girlfriend, or a husband, wife, like a mm. significant other. Like, what are some ways um, a, a significant other can kind of help and support their other significant other because of something they're going through and they, maybe they can't reach them or they feel like it's distant or mm-hmm. something going on but they just can't get to that person because some people do shut down yeah. and it's hard to get to them or and that's hard that can be very hard if they don't want to talk to us if they don't want to you know go places with us um, then I would just say you know have a good conversation let them provide reassurance you know that um, I really do love you I'm here for you um and just be that listening ear. So even if they're not talking, just sitting next to them. You don't have to talk. Just hold each other. Just hold their hand. You know, let reassure them that you will be there with them through this. Um, um do you, I, uh, this is a question I'm just trying to go through so I won't forget. Because I'm going to yeah. tell them, like, this part. If you listen to this part, just listen. Cause it might be something you want to hear. Um, in a lot of work, uh, is, there any, is there a percentage, like, of ethnic background that comes to see you is it like all 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 sorted out or just not even just see you but just you that maybe you have like a data sheet or something like that of people who do go seek help is there any kind of correlation between their ethnic background and them going to see help as opposed to like i know like i was talking about like being black me mm-hmm. right so i i never went to see nobody you know mm-hmm. um i think for as far as us and our family, like this is a thing that's going on now. We talk about it a lot now lately in the black community. We a lot of we, we won't talk about certain things. We just mm-hmm. let it. We look at it. That's what that's how it's supposed to be. Like, yeah. We just think that's what it is and it's cool. Even though mm-hmm. that's not way to live because like then you ignore problems, you know. Right. But yeah. um, at the dinner table, we might talk about it a day, but not no real issue. It's like you just kind of let it go. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the funny things they say is like your parents don't apologize to you. They say, "Are you hungry?" Yeah. Like let's go eat. Like we not yeah. eh, whatever happened yeah. happened. You right. know what I'm saying? They're not gonna say I was wrong or mm-hmm. it's just like we don't we just don't talk sometimes. We just yeah. yeah. You got some family that do my mother did that, she talked to us, but like there's a lot of families that don't do that and they just yeah. feel like you're a kid, I'm not talking to you about this, you know, like whatever. Right. I know that there's certain cultures that um very are very you know, they discourage going to any kind of professional for help. Um I don't know of any particular like one that's higher than the other. I think um, it. I do know that in the African American community, there is a lot more um, kind of turmoil at a younger age. Sometimes, um, not always. I mean, because it's like across the board is trauma. Yeah, of course. Um, but you do sometimes build a stronger sense of resiliency. And so then it's more like, well, we'll just deal with this or, or in order to portray a strength, we'll just push through. And, um, you know, just to encourage everybody that it's always good to talk through something with a professional um, that can be objective. I mean, your friends are great. If your friends aren't there for you, find new friends. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, um, yeah, I think there are, you know, and so and in part of my assessment that I do with people on that first appointment is, I'll say, do you um, associate um, or, you know, do you feel like you're part of a certain um, ethnic group or culture? Because based on their answer will depend on either the types of therapy that I do with them or the the way that I will approach their issues. Got you. Um, Because sometimes if you just start doing just 
okay, cookie cutter stuff, um, they're going to shut down pretty fast. So if I can meet them where they are, build a relationship, build that trust up, then let, let them know that I am here for them and I, they are not alone in what they're going through. You brought a good point because it's very crucial to pick a, a, a therapist that uh, you feel comfortable with because mm-hmm. I know some people do it under insurance, which is, I mean, it's cool, I guess, mm-hmm. but you might, your insurance might cover somebody you don't feel comfortable with. You yeah. may have the knowledge. You might yeah. feel like, I don't want to talk to this guy. I don't yeah. want to talk to this lady. But and I don't might, take insurance because... Well, it's private, so I guess that's like... Well, but a lot of people will. They still do? Um, I do it as a way to protect my clients. A lot of people don't realize that with mental health services and counseling, that when you allow an insurance company to pay for that appointment, you're waiving your confidentiality rights for the wow. third party to pay. So whatever's said in the session, whatever's written down in the session, it can be placed on your permanent medical record. Wow, I didn't know that. So, um, and you have to have a mental health diagnosis for the insurance to pay for the therapist to get paid. So, um, I, so I'm private pay for that particular reason to protect my clients. Now, I do offer what they call a super bill receipt. Um, and what that is is depending on certain plans of insurance, people can upload that onto their insurance website as a claim for me being an out-of-network provider. Mm-hmm. With that, they don't have access to any of my notes or anything that we discussed in session, but there still does have to be the mental health diagnosis. Okay. And not every plan will do it. So that's between the client and their insurance because the insurance But you provided the means like, me. and give you opportunities up to your, exactly. up to your company to say yes yeah. or no. Yeah. That's good. Though. So I have like my... My um my hourly fee, but I also have offer a sliding scale fee, which is based on household income and how many people are in the family. So it will, um, it's kind of a discounted rate, gotcha. you know. Kind of make it make time make it affordable. Yeah, because I don't want money yeah. to be an issue on top of all the regular life issues gotcha. going on. Gotcha. And that's actually good because then you got you know not. I know people, they got to get the, yeah, yeah, people want to get paid, so that's like common sense. But also, some people are really so interested in helping people that they're able to do that, make them affordable prices for some people mm-hmm. to come see them. Um, but they asked me what they asked was, is it a difference in, I think dep- depression is a mental illness, right? Is, is, that, is that the same thing? Or um, You can have depression symptoms. And um, depression symptoms can kind of go together with a bunch of different mental illnesses or um even some personality disorders um if i thought it was like a more of a disorder but it could be a major depression disorder is usually something that has been long term um that deals more with the chemicals in your brain now when people come to me and if say they are doing a super bill receipt and they have to have that diagnosis i try to be kind of um i use a unless they are like have a history of suicide you know, or um, suicidal tendencies. Not suicide. Um, I will be more generic in my diagnosis as far as like adjustment disorder with depressed mood. Gotcha. So that's usually like some circum- outside circumstance that has caused you to feel this way. Um, and those symptoms are usually can be anywhere from six months to like two years after. So if that is put on your permanent medical record, it's expected that that diagnosis will eventually fall off. Where other diagnoses like major depression disorder will remain there on your medical record. Well, I know you you, you mentioned um, like when you do the when, when somebody comes to you, you do an assessment. Mm-hmm. So like what like if, if somebody they want to come get help, 
and they wanted whether they wanted to come to you or just wanted to get help from anybody anywhere. What's 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 the feeling like when they're uh, in, in those sessions? Like, what's what's the vibe? Oh, for, at least, let's say for you, what, what kind of vibe you try to, mm-hmm. I guess, make the room? I say, like I hear now, the water in the back. It's like, it's like mm-hmm. relaxing. Yeah, that's my goal is to like the colors that I picked in the wall. Um, my office is green. My waiting room is blue. Um, just very calming. I want people to feel a peace when they step into my office that, okay, I can be safe in this room. I can be safe in this office. And um, to build that relationship with people, to know that I am here for you. And um, I use a lot of mindfulness exercises, which um, it can either be a visualization or it can be like, oh, just focus on your breathing, you know, just becoming aware of you being here in this moment and reassuring yourself that in this moment I'm okay. Um, I do a lot of those kind of stuff my my style is to to calm the body and all of the senses if you can calm all of your senses it calms your body a lot faster um i i, I don't know i listen to other podcasts a lot and they got this thing now um i can't think what it's called top of my head i should have wrote it down but it's actually a like an app or a texting thing where you can text a therapist now i know it's mm-hmm. probably not ideal for some people but mm-hmm. some people are so um Worried about the confidentiality for one, mm-hmm. actually just meeting face to face. Like they don't, mm-hmm. they don't want to do that. So they're like doing the privacy, and I can't think of the name of what it's called. But it's like a, it's a thing now. It's that they're doing, and mm-hmm. it's like a hotline. Like it helps. You know what I'm saying? That's that's that's. I don't I don't know. I can't think of the name right now. But well, I there's a to few all different ones that are telehealth, um, and that can be either just speaking with somebody, texting somebody, or like kind of like a video messaging mm-hmm. stuff. Um, it, I mean, you still have to pay for those. Yeah, it's still, just, it's still, it's still but, um, but that can be very convenient, especially for people who travel a lot. Um, there are different laws, though, of, of what type of therapist can do that and what can't. Like, you have to be licensed in the state also where the person that is um, connecting with you yeah. is at, you know, that kind of things. I don't do that because... Um, even though there might be a few on there, it would be good to do the homework as far as or research what is HIPAA compliant. Um, HIPAA is the privacy laws, and so therapists ethically have to have almost everything you do to be HIPAA compliant. Okay, HIPAA is like um, it's the like health- FCC for radio, something like that. Like kind of like something like that like 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 it governs what yeah, you can do and can, it, okay yeah similar mm-hmm. okay it makes sense yeah and, and i only only mentioned it because on a, like i guess on a podcast that like people get sponsors and that's, that's something that sponsored them because i guess they assume if you listen to it you know you just kind of get some soothing relaxation out of there mm-hmm. but some people are just really scared to go out and get the help so they'd rather do that uh i, I will say looking at prices i looked at whether it was yours and stuff like that in a long way, it's easier just to come and talk, though, you mm-hmm, know. But mm-hmm. either just getting help, I guess, getting out there. You kind of, yeah. you kind of, I guess, trying to go with the times. Being in the social media era now, mm-hmm. everything is in the phone. Like you do everything, like anything. It's nothing you yeah. probably can't do in the phone at this point, right? Yeah. You know? Um, they get even so big now. You probably can hug them. They getting bigger <laughs> now, so it's like nothing you really can't do with with the phone. I guess that's what they're trying to do. Um, and and just. In, in your field and, and what you do and what you're doing, what's probably the hardest part of your job? You think um, when dealing with clients? Well, before I ask you that, is it harder? Was it harder to gain the trust of the inmates when you were doing that, or kind of like the clients now? Like, is it harder, 
Or did you learn more from the inmates to um, kind of... Well, I think they're about the same because it's not a... Inmates are just people, too, just behind bars. And, um, you know, providing a compassionate ear, an understanding, no judgment, um, at least I try not to, um, just letting them know that I'm here for them builds relationship, and that in and of itself is very helpful um, wherever you are, you know, with that. As far as difficult, what's most difficult for me... um, there's, I mean, it, people might come to my office because maybe some a family member said, you better go get counseling. <laughs> or before you come home, <laughs> you got to go get counseling. And show up. <laughs> um, and so, or they're making an appointment just to check a box, but not to actually let it sink in, and they don't really want to change their ways. So, um, and in some ways, seeing people in, um, like, the prison system, you know, or if, if they were court ordered for counseling, you know, that kind of deal was sometimes dip more. It's harder because the person didn't choose it themselves. You mentioned helping the case. Sometimes like a judge might order you to do this and you get out of jail or, you know, mm-hmm. it might be a probation thing. Mm-hmm. You'll get help. Mm-hmm. And then you, they they come for that time. It's like, I'm off now. I'm, I'm back. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So really not, not really seeking the full benefit. You're kind of doing it just to right. stay free. Yeah. Or because it was court order, but it's not within mm-hmm. your choice. Mm-hmm. Probably, so you maybe it's more effective if it's your choice. Mm-hmm. And I get calls from people like family members, like, "Please, can you help my my sister?" Or, "Please, can you help my son?" And it's and as much as I want them to do that, to come in and yeah, if it's not their idea, they're not going to come for long. They don't. They won't even do the work because it's like they're not ready for it yet. There'll be a time that they will be ready for it. Yeah. But just because a family member wants them to get help so badly, it's not going to, that's not going to push them to do it. Um, we mentioned earlier, and I, I, I want to, I don't want to not put this part in there. We mentioned earlier about sometimes shutting down, right? Now I know from my fact that I, 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 I'm, I'm somebody that will do that sometimes. Not in the, not in the, I don't mean to be mean in that way, but I just don't want to talk about, I, I'm not going to talk about something I don't want to talk about, you know? No. And um, what what's something like, like, I guess, is there any kind of way, like, I'll be trying to change it. I just, I don't know if I can, you know. I'll be trying mm-hmm. sometimes, mm-hmm. but it's like, I might get in that mood. And it seems like it could be one word. I might, mm-hmm. I might look for something that they say to just get upset about. So mm-hmm. I, I won't have to stop the conversation, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? They might say, boy, I'm like, don't call me boy, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Or mm-hmm. it's a word. Or even, or it could be the person, they might just not use, I can pick apart something you're saying. You know what I'm saying? I might pick apart and I'm like, nah, I'm not going to have a conversation because you said such and such. Mm-hmm. Um... Is there any kind of way around that, like, even for me or just for a person that's talking to me to, like, kind of be like, I only say that because I, I watched The Soprano, like I said, and I remember <laughs> in The Sopranos, he was, like I said, he was the the, the boss, so he, he, on the streets he's one way, but in there he was another way, you know, mm-hmm. but sometimes he brought it inside there with him, and mm-hmm. he would curse her out sometimes, mm-hmm. but she'd still be real calm, like, how you talking? Mm-hmm. She talked the same way, and I think that yeah. maybe upset him. I think in... Not just me, but like with me or whatever. I think if I shut down, that person might get upset. People might yeah. get upset. Yeah. And in turn, instead of just being calm, I might get cursed out or something. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's like <laughs> I've been cursed out more, plenty of times. <laughs> make more, make, but maybe shut down yeah. more at that point. Cause now yeah. I don't feel bad about it. You know, yeah. it's like sometimes okay. it's it's helpful to. I'm very like client centered, meaning um, even though we might have goals, the client is very much in charge of their care. So. Um, they come in and just want to 
you know, I'll let people, some people just want to come in and vent. I'll let them vent. Some people, um, you know, might be start getting mad at me. I'll, I'll throw it back at them and challenge them. I'm not just going to mm. sit here and take it. I'll be like, you know, but not in an argumentative way. It's still a respectful way. Um, but yeah, I will, I will kind of raise my tone too. Um, and so I think if you can match it, sometimes that's more like, oh, I'm feeling listened to. This person's getting me rather than as a control tactic. I'm just going to walk all over this person. She doesn't know what I'm mm. talking about. She doesn't understand me, you know. Because then that's it. And then they'll probably kind of keep doing it. And they, they, they try to, even though they're in control, they try to be in more control than they really should mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. Whereas you can't do the job of getting them right, getting them healthy mm-hmm. or, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll be, I'll ask them point blank. Do you want to change? Do you want help? Otherwise, you're going to waste my time and you're wasting your time. A lot of times, though, people need that challenge. That challenge might, mm-hmm. you know, it's sometimes, you ever have like, you ever see where a situation where, I'm a basketball fan. I remember there's a player, Allen Iverson, and his coach didn't get along. But the coach didn't betray him. He didn't want to, mm-hmm. he, just, he did not get along with him. But I'm going to keep challenging him, keep saying this, that, and third. Mm-hmm. And they got the best relationship now because, like, mm-hmm. he was challenging him and he mm-hmm. challenged him. Mm-hmm. So it worked out for both of them. Sometimes that actually helps when you're challenging as well as, even though you're challenging, mm-hmm. somebody is willing to challenge you as well. So y'all just challenging each other and then y'all both yeah. got this kind of mutual respect and, right. you know, That's bond. the goal anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So is there any way that like, they can kind of, uh, not saying reach you, but anything you want to like say? I, I know you I know you mentioned you did an interview and they didn't, they didn't plug you, so I want to kind of put your <laughs> stuff out there. Um, like I said, I want you to email everything so I can put in the description as well so they can um, check anything they want to check okay. out. Okay. If it's your website or anything like that. Um, or if anything you just want to say, anything, you know, you can just say it now. Okay. Um, I really appreciate this opportunity. I, um, I appreciate it more than you, trust me. I was um, looking for... Yeah. I was nervous because I don't get nervous doing podcasts, but sometimes when you run somebody professional, I don't like I I, I even just I even stutter a lot. I stutter. I even yeah, stutter a lot. Well, this episodes. I, I feel I feel good. Good. I feel like I was yeah. you know I feel like I was getting some kind of therapy right now, good. so that was good. And I, my heart is just to help people, and um, you know I just want to be there for people and let them know that they're not alone in what they're going through. We can go through it together. That's good. Um, so. Just, just in a nutshell, like, what's your hours or like, if they want to set up an appointment, like, how you, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you do? This? Should they call, email, you email pretty quick. Uh-huh. I, that was, I, I didn't expect that. Okay. I, I woke up and I was just like, oh, okay, <laughs> I didn't expect that. Um, I, I don't have any set hours. It's by appointment only, because um, sometimes, I mean, I'll, some days I'm here at nine, other days I'm, I stay until. So it's more Eight flexible. or nine. <laughs> so um, the best way to get me is through my phone number or email. Um, if it's through email, I'll probably try to turn around and call you back. Okay. Um, just because with the whole like protection, even though I've got a HIPAA compliant email system, it's still technology. Um, I say always email me questions, but leave a phone number so that I can turn around and call you back. And uh, what type of therapy? Therapies. I know you said it throughout the podcast, but just want to make mm-hmm. sure. What type of therapies do you um, offer? I seen. Well, I don't know if you did it. It's saying couples therapy also. I do. Also, I do okay. couples therapy as well, um, and that is um, people who are just dating, people who are married, people who are heterosexual, and people who are homosexual. I okay. see all those couples. Um, individually, it's adults only, eighteen and older. Um, Specifically, people with post-traumatic stress or have experienced a lot of trauma in their life or grieving different losses, not necessarily a death. It could be um, like life change, you know, Um, and any pretty much 
anxiety and depressions as well. Okay. So, um, like, I know you said couples, like, do you, and I'm just throwing it out there just so people, anybody listening, would you do like, uh, father and son, mother and daughter? Like, do you, have you ever like done that before? Family therapy. Or is um, that harder? Family therapy, um, I don't do it as a whole. Now, if I'm already seeing one of them and they want to bring in gotcha, a family gotcha. member, we can do that for a couple of sessions. Um, as a whole, I don't. And, um, but I mean, I could. <laughs> it's not like there's a no on that, yeah. you know. Just but it's not, it's not something you're now, just throwing out there. One but. thing I don't do um, is premarital counseling. I, only because there's a, usually a certain certain aspects or topics to discuss. And it's usually the person who is going to be marrying you will be the one to do that premarital counseling. So whether it's a minister or, you know, something they usually want to have an idea before they marry somebody where y'all stand, make sure y'all are on the same page. Yeah, that yeah. Kind of deal. And I think that is more of a, you know, like a church leader or whatever your belief system is, the minister of that is, they're, they're better. They, they have a lot more time to deal with each aspect. Gotcha, and gotcha. Top, you know, like the finances, the how we're going to run a house, or how we're going to, where I'm more about the relationship part of it. Yeah. Well, uh, I know you mentioned it earlier, I kind of want to ask this before, like, ending out. Like, what did your parents think of, like, you, like, how you turned out as far as just doing a therapy? They're probably happy that I wasn't the one in prison or in Yeah, jail. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I thought about it, I'm like, well, you know, you, even though you rebelled, like, look what you made of yourself, you know, yeah. successful and stuff like that, so. yeah. That's good. Um, yeah. Well, I appreciate you know appreciate the time and you know uh, I'll leave my email and the number of stuff with you and okay. if you ever need something I can help you. I do videos and stuff too, so okay. if you ever need anything I can help you with that. Thank you. And um, thank you for you know giving me time and talking it was to a me. Pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. All right, Morning Masters Podcast.